Good morning, everyone. It's a great joy to be here with you this morning. Um, we'll try to keep my homily somewhat short, right? Some of you will be back this evening for Mass or maybe tomorrow morning. Uh, this is the shortest possible Advent could ever be, right? So our fourth candle here, we'll just save it for next year. The fourth, the fourth week of Advent is all but like 12 hours, right? So um, it's a great joy to be able to reign in. One of the things I love about the fourth Sunday of Advent is the gospel always zooms in on Mary. So today we ponder the incarnation, the nativity, through the eyes of Mary, right? Our, our manger isn't quite here yet, but Jesus would never have been born if it weren't for Mary, for Mary's yes, right? Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. The complete surrender of a heart to the Lord. So today I want to reflect on you with that. The heart of Mary as a means of surrender for Christ to be born into us today on this anticipation, tonight on this Christmas Eve. If you've ever been to an Eastern Catholic Church or maybe an Eastern Orthodox Church, you'll notice the architecture. It's pretty much the same in every Eastern Church. You walk in and in the dome is, uh, right, which represents eternity, is an image of Christ. So if you've ever been down to the Greek Orthodox Cathedral, Holly and Leedsdale, you'll walk in and you'll see this. Jesus Christ in the dome, the dome represents eternity, a sphere, a perfect sphere. Up there, Jesus Christ is untouchable. He's God. We can't reach him. It's only through, in the architecture there, the dome connects to the apse, which is the back wall, and through the apse, it connects to us, the sanctuary, the people. What's always painted on the apse in an Orthodox church or an Eastern Catholic church is Mary, the Theotokos, the mother of God, she who bears the untouchable in her womb to bring God into this world. It's only through Mary that we have access to the Lord, to God. He is untouchable, but Mary makes him touchable for us. I want to do two things today, and I want to do it through the eyes of Mary. First, I want to talk about Romans. Our second reading, the obedience of faith. And then I want to talk about our gospel, specifically Mary's fiat and surrender in the first words that uh, Gabriel greets to Mary. We'll get to that in a second. So Romans, we hear from the end of Romans today. And maybe just a brief, quick word about Romans. This is St. Paul's um, kind of highest work, I would say. And he's writing to the Romans, so if you remember the city of Rome, there's seven hills in Rome. The Capitoline Hill is probably the most famous, that's where the emperor would have been living. On top of Capitoline Hill, on the east side of the Tiber, if you go to the west side of the Tiber, which is where Vatican City is today, that was the place that no one wanted to live. That was where the poor people lived. That's where the Christians first found themselves in Rome, on the west side of the Tiber in small villages. So this letter was probably read in small homes, house churches in the first centuries when Paul had written this, in the late 60s maybe, A.D. Paul frames Romans, his letter to the Romans, with this phrase, the obedience of faith. What does that mean, the obedience of faith? Today he says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, what's the gospel, the good news, 
the good news and the preaching of Jesus Christ to bring about the obedience of faith. Romans chapter 1, the very opening. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God so that I can preach it, the good news, to bring about the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. I think sometimes we wrestle of how can I be obedient to God? How do I be obedient to his church? These rules seem hard. These things seem difficult. How can I be obedient to him? The good news that Paul wants to give to the Romans and he gives to us today is that we're called to be obedient first and foremost because God is faithful to us. It's not talking about my faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is talking about God's faithfulness to you. That years before this, we heard from um, 2 Samuel, there will be a house, I will establish a house, a dynasty that will last how long? Forever. And the hope of the Jews that somehow what seems to be broken down and that all hope has been lost, today, tonight, tomorrow, the Savior will break forth into this world, that we have something to hope in, that Jesus Christ, the King, who will establish his dynasty, his kingdom on this earth, it will last forever. God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to you. And because of his faithfulness is why we are called to be obedient. Are there things that you struggle to be obedient to? Maybe it's a certain church teaching. Maybe it's a struggle in your marriage. Maybe a struggle in your life. What do you struggle to be obedient to? Obedience is our response to God's faithfulness, God's fidelity to you. That when I sin, no matter how many times I mess up, God still says, I love you and I choose to forgive you. I will be faithful to you. How do you respond to God's fidelity? Respond through being obedient to him. The heart of St. Paul's letter to the Romans is God's faithfulness. At the heart of um, chapter 12, St. Paul says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Conversion. God tonight breaks into the darkness of this world. He brings the light. He transforms us. Are you being transformed? God's faithfulness transforms us. It's only through his fidelity that we're able to be obedient to him. Is there something you struggle to be obedient to? The second point for today is to zoom in on our gospel with Mary. Mary gives us the answer of when things are hard, when things are stressful, when things are tough. How am I called to surrender to the Lord? Mary doesn't have it figured out. She doesn't know how she's going to get pregnant. She doesn't know how she's going to raise the God of the universe. You shall call him Jesus. Yahweh saves Yeshua. That's what that means. She's going to bear a child that God will uh, bring about salvation of the world through. How is that going to happen? You know, I find it interesting. We call them the joyful mysteries, right? 
uh, they're supposed to bring joy. I'm like, these are, so they should be called the stressful mysteries, right? <laughs> the angel comes and announces that you will conceive a child. That sounds stressful, right? Then when you're six months pregnant, you have to go and visit your cousin Elizabeth. That sounds stressful, right? Then you have to bear a child in the coldness of a cave. Sounds stressful, right? But they bring joy because Mary surrenders. She's obedient. She has a trustful surrender because God is faithful to her. I want to close with just a simple uh, thought. What's the first thing the angel says to Mary? It's the first announcement of the good news. Hail. The Greek there, Kyrie. If it was in Hebrew, it would have been Shalom. But what's so cool, the Greek word Kyrie, it's where we get the word to rejoice. Kyrie Maria. Rejoice, hail Mary. Brothers and sisters, the first good thing about the gospel, the good news, is that it's supposed to bring joy. Do you see the faith as a chore? Or do you see the Christian life as something that brings joy in your life? Have joy today, for Christ is coming. Christ comes to set us free. God is faithful to you. And therefore, we're called to be obedient to him and to his church.